When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the We Are Podcast. I'm Jared Brugger. This is my co-host, Corey Geiger. And we are here to talk to you today about Penn State's opening game victory over Wisconsin. 16-10, man. Jared, this is uh, this is huge. Let's not sugarcoat it. This is a fantastic win for Penn State, for James Franklin. This is the complete opposite of last year. We were at Indiana. That was devastating the way that happened. Now, you win this game, what can this do for the season, man? I mean, this is huge. Obviously, it's a big 10. They're 1-0 in the conference already, which is great. Uh, hot start for them. But this is the confidence builder that they need. You know, you lose it like, close to Indiana last year, it's demoralizing. You, you lose Noah Kane, you've already lost Jenny Brown, and it's, you're just done. But now, they went into a hostile environment. Camp Randall was loud. It's exactly what Penn State needed, and at the right time, as they get now prepared for Ball State. And you know what? Here's what's interesting. Just like in baseball, you're, you're a pitcher, you're out there, you don't have your best stuff. This was not a great game by Penn State. We're going to go through, through some things, a lot of problems. This was 0-0 this was zero zero at the half, man. This was, this was brutal. This was brutal to watch for the first half, seriously. First Big Ten game that was scoreless at the half in seven years. Um, so Penn State's defense played really well. The offense did not. The offense had one first down in the first half, Jared. So we'll get to all that here as we go on. But the defense saved the day. The defense is the reason they won this game. Oh, the defense was huge. And and obviously defense wins championships, number one. But just some of the adjustments that they made, they really – the Mertz uh, for Wisconsin was just really out of sorts, especially yeah. in the second half. I and, thought and, he was a lot better than that. that was, he was really subpar today. And that's the thing too, Corey, is that – you know, in, and then in the red zone, right, they yeah. just kind of wilted. Wilted, yeah. And it was a bizarre mix of play calling and play execution because there were times that – they look like Penn State did last year when they were 0-5. Well, I'm so used to Wisconsin being fundamentally sound. I'm a huge college basketball fan. You expect Wisconsin fundamentally sound. They're just a school. They do everything right. They get inside the 10. They're fumbling the ball. They're messing up. They're making bad reads. It's just a – it was just so weird. It, it, it looked – it didn't look like a Wisconsin program, the kind of mistakes that they made. No, and, and yeah, it was just really, really bizarre because they ran they, – they doubled Penn State's play total. Yeah. Which is absurd. Statistically, man, 29 first downs for Wisconsin and 10 points. You know, if you look at just the box score and the yards and, and the plays and, and everything. Let's do that. If, if you looked at the box score, what would you think the final score of this game would have been? 37-30 because it was <laughs> That's nice. That's but nice. no, I mean, just the way that, you know, they dominated time of possession. And Penn State's defense, I'm sure, is still gasping for air. Yeah, 95 plays. They were on the field for 95 plays. If you looked at the box, I would have said, you know, I would have thought Wisconsin won this game like 27 to 13 if you looked at the box score. Penn State, 11 first downs, 50 yards rushing, one first down in the first half. And again, we'll get to the offense, but I do want to focus on the defense because Arnold Ebikite, the transfer from Temple, big game. Uh, Jair Brown had a big interception at the end. Jaquan Brisker, every 10 or 15 minutes, 
Jared, he was down on the ground. I've never seen a player be down on the ground and have to be helped off the field, you know, removed from the game three different times. And yet he comes up with a huge interception at the end. Huge. And he seemed like when he was healthy and on the field, he was in every play. And yeah. and that's, you know, that's why he's a pro football focus, All-American, right? That's that's why he came back for a senior year to, to un, for unfinished business. And it, and it showed. He was a leader on the field. And, and it, you know, I, I go back to the broadcast. And he goes up to the uh, to the Penn State offense right after his, his interception. And, and I don't know what was said to, to Sean Clifford. I wish I, I wish I knew that. But that's obviously personal between them. But it seemed like he was firing that offense up, saying, "Hey, I did my part. Our defense did our part for the entire game. Yeah. Now it's time for you to take control." And they went down and did it. All right. The offense really put a lot of pressure on the defense, and we'll give the defense a lot of credit and Brent Price. So good job to those guys. Uh, this was disappointing from a Penn State offensive standpoint. Look, I, I love offense. We have high expectations for what we think this offense can be with Mike Yersich. They got shut out in the first half. Uh, it was bad. It was it was ugly. Uh, Forty three yards, I think it was in the first half total. One first down and no points. Um, we just expected more. So then, what do they do? This has been your typical James Franklin type of characteristic during his tenure. They make some adjustments in the second half. They come out, boom, boom, boom. Eighty three yards, four four plays, the big touchdown pass to Jahan Dotson. So whatever it is that went wrong in the first half, they figured it out at halftime. And, and James Franklin's always had teams that, like 2016, second half teams yep. all the time. And and listen, good, bad, or indifferent, the second half is really when you should start watching a football game. The first half, obviously, you're still filling each other out. First couple plays are obviously scripted on both sides. Defenses, offenses are trying to feel each other um, and figure out what's going to happen, what the game's going to dictate. But they go into halftime and they make the adjustments they need, both offensively and defensively, and it pays off in a big, big way. Yeah, the deep throws saved them today. This this offense was not great today. This offense had 11 first downs. But when you can hit Jahan Dotson on a deep throw, later you got Dotson again, which would have been a touchdown if Clifford didn't underthrow it. But still, they took their shots. When I go back to 2016, the what I love the most about Joe Moorhead is he let Trace McSorley fire away. Bombs away, baby. You got Chris Godwin making every 50-50 catch down there. Trace was excellent at those balls. Um, and so we got away from that last year. Kirk Schrocker did not have Sean Clifford throwing the ball deep down the field. We just didn't see it. Really not a lot of work today. Noah Kane had 134-yard run. But, Jared, the only thing that worked on offense was when they took those deep shots. But, look, that's what Mike Yursich is. That's what he did with Mason Rudolph and James Washington at Oklahoma State, that's what he's going to do. No, and that was a great job of getting Jahan Dotson out in space. Because, I mean, when he gets in space, he is electric. He's a dangerous player, one of the most dangerous players in the Big Ten, in my opinion. And, and honestly, I think in the country, too. And obviously, he comes back for more this year. And, you know, it showed. He, he, was, he was behind that secondary quite a bit. He spent more time behind that secondary, even when he wasn't getting the football, than Penn State did on offense in the first half. How do they lose him? The guy might be the best receiver in the Big Ten. He's wide open by 20 yards. That's the one guy you can't lose on the field. And, and As well as Wisconsin's I mean, Wisconsin's defense was great for most of the day. If you're Paul Chris, let's let's flip the script here. We're saying Penn State won this game because of about four plays. If you're Paul Christ, you're probably pretty ticked off here because you're you played fantastic and you lost the game in four plays. Out, Wisconsin outplayed Penn State on both sides of the ball and lost because of about four plays. 
And that's that's football. That's the beauty, and that's yeah. the the realism of, of football. Because yeah, did Wisconsin dominate that first half? On statistically, yes. On the scoreboard, no. But that's where it matters. The scoreboard is the tell all, end all, be all. Right? They didn't score more points than Penn State, and therefore they lost the game. But when we come back in our second segment, we'll talk more about where Penn State needs to go. Move. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. podcast and video on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. This is our second segment, and like Penn State, we're going to make some second half adjustments. Yeah, right. And one of the biggest adjustments that they did is they neutralized Jack Sanborn, uh, Wisconsin linebacker, and, and that was a really big part of the second half. Well, look, what uh, they made the adjustments, which is something James Franklin's done well. What we need to ask ourselves is this. Okay, look, this was a fantastic win. Is this what... Is this going to continue throughout the rest of the season? Like, yeah, Ball State. They're going to beat Ball State. But then Auburn, and you get into the Big Ten schedule. Because Penn State did not play great, Jared. Did Are we going to see significant improvement from week one to week two to week three? Because they've got to play better. The defense was certainly good. What do you expect from the offense as we as – we, they've kind of got a game under their belt. They've got to keep themselves on the field. They've got to, we got to keep the Penn State – or defense yeah. um, on, on the sidelines because obviously this year – or this game, they did not do that. And, yeah, they, they ended up victorious today, but – a lot of times the defense bailed them out. They We go back to complimentary football all the time. And Penn State just was not able to play complimentary football right. in the first half. Now, they did, but they came out and, you know, they came out in the first first series of the, of the second half. For them, they touched down, but then Wisconsin gets the ball right back, drives it down the field, touchdown for them. I'm going to give Mike Yursich a C-minus here. Now, I thought this was going to be a pretty big offensive day for Penn State, and I do think this is going to be a big offensive season for Penn State because, again, the, the, the parts of this offense that make it work are you're going to take a lot of shots, you're going to go for home runs. And just like in Major League Baseball, Major League Baseball is fine if guys strike out 40% now as long as they hit a bunch of home runs. I think Mike Yersich's system might be okay if Sean Clifford's not all that great and the offense isn't all that great for a while as long as you can hit some 50 and 60 yard passes because that is a way that and look here's the here's my line once you start hitting some of those 50 60 yard passes now the defense has to totally refocus what they're doing then you get the running game going a little bit and it did open up a little bit for Noah King yeah. who obviously Penn State missed desperately last year he had some he had some excellent plays a big play to set up um, touchdown or yep. field goal, I believe. He's a playmaker. And and that's what they missed of Noah Kane last year. He was supposed to be the feature guy once Jenny Brown went down, but gets hurt first series against Indiana. Thankfully, no injuries to report thus far. Of course, it's Penn State, it's Fort Knox, so if we ever hear about an injury again, that might not ever happen. But 
he played really well. They finally played that complimentary football that they needed in the second half, and I think that was really the biggest factor in the game. Although, the second half loomed large with the kicking game. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so they lost last year at Indiana in crushing fashion, and that derailed that season. Can you imagine if they would have lost this game because of a missed extra point? When, when as soon as Jordan Stout missed that extra point and left it at sixteen to ten, Wisconsin had two opportunities at that point. I mean, they did. Penn State got a couple of interceptions. We thought the game might have been over when Brisker got the interception, but sure enough, Wisconsin got the ball right back. I, I, I think Penn State is really, really fortunate here because if if they lose that game seventeen to sixteen because of a missed extra point. Those kids are flying back a thousand miles from Madison, and they're pissed, man. But not only are they pissed, they're they're just they're it's de- demoralizing to take a word you used earlier. And again, I don't know if it's, it was going to be the same as it was last year in Indiana, but it very well could have been. They've got to get that fixed, right? And not only just the extra point, which is yeah. awful to begin with, but they missed a twenty-three yard chip shot too, yep. and that's not characteristic of Jordan Stout, but. One thing I think to note is that now that he's handling the punting and the kicking Doing duties, everything, yep. I obviously there are two different styles of kicking, right? So so punting is a little bit different than, than kicking a field goal. So when when they did have a punter, when they had Blake Gilligan, they didn't have all these missed field goal it's issues. It's one of the reasons you don't want your kicker doing absolutely everything. You've got to have a little bit of uh, uh, of versatility within your kickers. But they they look we're they they got out of this. They escaped. Indiana stole a win from Penn State last year. I think it, I think Penn State stole a win from Wisconsin this year. But the bottom line, no matter what, one and zero. That's it. That in sports, style points, all this stuff. Hey, scoreboard, sixteen ten. That's all that matters. Over we, the twelfth ranked team in the right, country on the road. Then a team that really you know played pretty well statistically anyway. So that's where we are with this with this win, Jared is. They can feel great about it, but there are also a lot of teachable and coachable moments because the best time to coach players, you know this, you've been a coach, is after you win. After you lose, everybody's in a different mindset. When you win a game and you come out of it with eight coachable moments, that's a that's when you can really start to learn. Right, when you can sit there and you say, hey, we won this game despite this yes. and that and this and that, that's a good problem to have, obviously, one to know. You win the game, you win over a ranked team, and this is a signature win for James Franklin in this program. You know, based on everything we talked earlier um, about, earlier this week, Corey and I did personally, about whether preseason rankings matter. Mm -hmm. Well, this is a signature win because of the rankings. They'll move up significantly. They were 19. They'll take four or five spots tomorrow. And no matter what, what happens to Wisconsin the rest of the season, that game when they were the 19th team against the 12th ranked team and they beat them, in their house, in a raucous Camp Randall Stadium, that's a that's a big deal. All right, let me ask you this. I, I'm very curious about your thoughts and all the all the fans. They won, okay? They won. But I want to ask you this: Was that a good football game to watch? Because this came up in one of our comments on uh, DK Pittsburgh Sports. I said I said that was brutal to watch, and somebody said you're crazy. That was a great game to watch. I'm like, wasn't a great game to watch for me. That first half was terrible. I don't want to watch any football game ever at any level that's zero to zero at the half. Now, the second half was intriguing, and it came down to the wire. And so from, a, from that standpoint, but I'm curious your thoughts on was it a good football game? 
I think it depends on how you view the game, right? If you're analytical and, and, and you see, hey, listen, Sean Clifford's throwing off his back foot more often than he is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think when I'm watching it, I'm seeing a little bit more fundamentals uh, and, and just kind of seeing what is happening and why they're happening. I think it's a little bit more entertaining. I want to be entertained. Scores, I want to be entertained. Were you entertained by that game? I wasn't necessarily entertained, but... I, I was very intrigued, and right. not just because we this is our job, but because there were just so many different layers. Like the Penn State <laughs> offense was was abysmal; they didn't do much of anything. Like I couldn't go to the bathroom during a Penn State drive without missing Wisconsin coming on the field. If you love kick catch interferences, great game to watch. Um, yeah, <laughs> nice. That's but, well said. Yeah, but you know, and then they started they started getting explosive in the, in the second half. And, and really opened up the game and, and made it a little bit more fun and bearable to watch. My son kept bothering me to go out and throw the football with him all afternoon. I'll tell you this, that first half was terrible. That wasn't entertaining to me in the least. If it wasn't my job, I would, stop, I would have stopped watching that game and gone out and played football with my kid, which I did later on. But uh, I, man, Jared, 0-0 zero zero at the half. I don't care what in the world happens. That That is not entertaining football to me. Well, we couldn't have predicted that at yeah, all. Right. I don't think anybody had that prediction. Um, but, you know, it's a first game. And this is kind of the thing with playing a first conference game of the season in, in week one, right? And, you know, you, it, you're opening up. You have to be on your A game. And, and neither team brought their A game, really. I think both defenses should be very happy about their performances. Uh, obviously, Wisconsin's got a lot more to clean up than Penn State does defensively. But at the same time... You know, it's if this game is played in week seven, week eight, week nine, right. I think it's a completely different ballgame. Yeah, and I thought all along Penn State would have won this game in week two, three, four, or whatever. I picked them to lose, but here's the deal. I had Penn State going nine and three. Now this very much brings ten and two to the table. We'll talk about Iowa here in a minute. I got them losing to Iowa. But you had ten and two or eleven and one? Eleven and one. You had eleven and one. This this keeps all of the goals on the table. And I don't think that that can be overstated. Last year, when the refs stole the game from Penn State at Indiana, all the goals were gone. The goals were gone. You got 18 to 22-year-old kids battling through COVID and all this crap in their personal lives, and the goals were gone because the refs screwed Penn State on that two-point conversion. And then Penn State had Ohio State the next week, and now they're 0-2. And then they didn't show up for Maryland, and now they're 0-3 and then 0-5. This is the opposite. Now, every goal that you had not only is in place, now up here, those kids are thinking, we absolutely can achieve those goals. Because if you can go to Wisconsin and win, hey, regardless of how you look for a good bit of the game, you can achieve big things. And this is nothing against the action that Penn State's going to experience next week with Ball State. But Ball State, comparatively speaking, you're finally at home. 110,000, 107,000 people at Beaver Stadium. Penn State's going to come ready to go. Yeah. Ball State's not going to be able to handle that crowd. And the crowd was a big factor at, at this game. And yeah. I think one of the coolest things was the fact that ES, the ESPN broadcast did focus on Jump Around, which Fox. is a, but, Fox. Fox, yes, yes. yes, you're right. Uh, it's still early in the season for me. Oh, I love Jump um, Around. That was great. But that was that was a really cool and unique experience. Um, but, you know, Zombie Nation at, at Beaver Stadium's just as good. Uh, Sweet Caroline. It's going to be great. It's great that the college traditions uh, are finally back. You just pissed off everybody in Wisconsin saying that. Hey, listen, they're, they're all the same. They're all great traditions. <laughs> Nothing beats Virginia Tech and, and Blacksburg. 
uh, with Enter Sandman as a big time. That's Mariana your favorite, Re Mariana Rivera fan. I have to, I have to go to Enter Sandman. My favorite is Jump Around. So you're 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 offending me by saying anything compared. I love Jump Around. I think that is as good as it gets. And I'm not the first person that that you've offended in Altoona. Yeah, that's a good point. But when we come back for the third and final segment, we're going to talk about a little bit more about what happened around the Big Ten and around the country as well. Final segment of the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. As always, I'm joined now with Corey Geiger, and I am Jared Prugar. Let's talk about what happened around the country, because it's week one on the schedule, but this is the second week of play throughout the country and throughout all the conferences. Iowa destroyed Indiana today, uh, Saturday. Just absolutely pummeled Indiana. Michael Penix Jr. really struggled. 34-6 was the final and you talk about confidence, Jared. You talk about week one. I'll go back to it again. Indiana beating Penn State last year in week one was crushing for Penn State. It set the tone for the year. And then Indiana's looking to build off of its great year. What do they do? They come out and they get destroyed at Iowa. Penn State goes to Iowa uh, midseason. I picked Iowa to win that game. I, look, Iowa there, that's just a different situation. They know how to play there. They know how to come up against certain types of teams, and they're usually ready and physical. But that, that, that to me, I feel for Indiana because it was a good story last year. But, man, you can set the tone for your season right off the bat. Yeah, 34-6 to 6 is not how I expected Indiana and Iowa to go by any means. But that's, that's college football. That's, yep. again, starting the season off with a conference game. We saw it last year, the impact that it had throughout the conference throughout the country. Because you didn't play those cross division games or, or cross-conference games. And really, that <laughs> teams need those warm-up games. They need games against Ball State. And at the same token, Ball State needs Penn State to make a lot more money than yep. they would expect. But, you know, and that's not – I don't even think that's one of the more shocking. The, the score, obviously. But Penix is coming off an injury. Yeah. And, and it's always tough to come back and build that confidence that he had when he was playing at his peak last season. Yeah, I agree with that. And, again, good job, Iowa. They're going to be ready. That's generally what they do. Ohio State, Minnesota the other day. Minnesota came out. And it was one of those things. Did Minnesota look all that great or was Ohio State just kind of in the feeling out process? Because Ohio State does win that game 45-31. And C.J. Stroud really got it going later in the game. But, uh, look, that that's what you get. When you have an Ohio State-Minnesota in week one – you know, you, these teams feeling each other out. I really liked what I saw from the Buckeyes the second half of that game. They really opened it up, and they let Stroud just be Stroud, and and, and it worked. And, and that's the same thing that Penn State did with with Cl uh, Clifford and Dotson. They got him in the open space, and, and obviously it worked out. But, you know, anytime that, that you're able to go in, into Minnesota and get a win against P.J. PJ Fleck coach team is good. Um, and, hey, you make those second-half adjustments, and, and good things typically happen. But – it, it, it's going to be a wild season, I think, across the country and across the Big Ten because they started out like this. And I think that's something, you know, now Ball State, I think, is, is a very good possibility of it being a trap game. Do you think so? I think that's interesting. I think they beat the tar out of Ball State, to be honest with you. I think they come out and I think they're going to be ready now. We talked about this a little bit earlier about teachable moments. This was the win. But James Franklin and Mike Yersich can really hammer down on, you did this wrong. You did this wrong. You did this wrong. You did this wrong. There's a lot of things wrong. 
did a lot of things wrong. Sean Clifford, though, did not turn the ball over. He managed the game, and he made the three or four throws that he had to make. So I think Ball State, look, it could be a trap game. You could be right. We've seen tough scenarios like that. right this week. Yeah, you, yeah. but I, I just think that there's the confidence that they're going to get from this game was exactly what they needed. When you have to tell the line between confident and overconfident, because if, you, if yeah. you're overconfident and you're thinking ahead to, yeah. to Auburn, that that's a sticky situation. I think you make a great point there, and again, that's why it probably is good that they didn't play all that well today. The, those coaches can they can ride their tails all week. You you think you're that good because you beat Wisconsin? You gave up 29 first downs. You gave up 375 yards. You had 11 first downs. If I'm James Franklin and these coaches, I'm coming at my guys saying you better damn well not be overconfident because in some ways you got lucky here. Right, and, and you're happy with the win, obviously, but at the same time, you're you're not satisfied. You right. have to be yep. hungry for more because there are, you, like we said, coachable moments, and I think that's a situation that, that obviously Penn State's going to take advantage of moving forward, but you have to be wary, and and I think James Franklin does a really good job of this. And, and One know, game at a time. That's one, where the one game mentality yes, comes And this in. is where it's going to be big because if you start the season 4-0, which I think is very possible now, yeah. Um, you ha- it has to be game by game, and you have to keep that single solid focus game by game, week by week, because if you're able to do that, that game in Columbus is going to matter. That game yeah. you know, in Iowa is going to matter. I think they're going to be 5-0 and going to Iowa now. I, I think that that is that all of a sudden, you look, we'll see what Iowa did. That was huge, but I, I've picked all along they would beat Indiana. I think they're going to beat Auburn. So you're, you're talking – now look, let's not get ahead of ourselves. This was a very losable game. But these are winnable games certainly coming up. And if they can go into Iowa undefeated and pull that out, you're talking, you're at least thinking about the college football playoff. Yeah, yeah, and you're right. And, and they're going to be, I honestly think they could be in the top eight, top five if they are able to get past Iowa yeah. and win oh, yeah. at, at Kinnick. Yep. That would be another signature win for Penn State in this uh, program. But, you know, talking about the top 10, Penn State could very easily be, I think, 13 in the 10 to 13 range next week based on what's happening uh, throughout the country right Yeah, I think that's a good point. 19 now. Um, voters, I think, here's the thing. If voters didn't watch the game and just saw the score, I think they'll like it. If they watch the game, it actually might work against them because, again, Penn State didn't look all that great. But uh, I think, I think I, if I guess, I'd say 13 or 14. Yeah, I think 12, 13, 14 is the area where they deserve to be after a win like that. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see where they go because I know Pat Narduzzi's not going to put them very high. Yeah. Oh, nice. That's nice. But uh, Pitt obviously won their game 30 to nothing over, over UMass. But, you know, UNC loses. They're the 10th ranked team. Yeah. Yep. Mac Brown looked like he aged about 60 years during that game. Let me say before we go, uh, Dayan Kovacevic wrote something about our Pitt versus Penn State subscriber challenge. Check that out. That's really cool. We're going to see which school can get to 500 subscribers first at 20 bucks a piece of student rate, and then they're going to give away those subscriptions to students. And so it's a Pitt versus Penn State. Uh, so if you're a Penn State fan, go to DK Pittsburgh Sports, purchase a student subscription. We'll give that away. If you're a Pitt fan, go there. I don't know why any Pitt fans would be watching our video, but hey, whatever. So it is a way to see Pitt versus Penn State kind of in a roundabout sort of way. Right, and I think that's the thing too is, is go and subscribe. And, and obviously our Penn State coverage is free, but we have a lot to offer throughout our site and throughout our podcasting network as well. 
Uh, if you've read anything by Tom Reed, I, re I highly recommend it. He's, that's like my Bible. I wake up and read everything that Tom Reed writes first thing every, every morning. And, you know, when you have writers like that and Alex Stumpf on the Pirates and, and Chris Carter with Pitt and Dale Lawley with the Steelers and, and Taylor and Dave Molinari with, uh, with the Penguins and, and DK himself, the legend himself, good things are going to happen. we got a really good thing going for us over at DK Pittsburgh Sports, and we hope to have you along for the ride. And that's not just students, but also military and our, mili our active military drive and, and subscriptions as well. I'd like to say personally, coming on board here in the last couple weeks, I really am, am very grateful for all of the nice comments that everybody has made uh, in the asylum and, uh, and everything. This has been a very... Uh, warming experience. I'm glad to be on board with Jared to, to expand the Penn State coverage, and I just want to say personally thank you to everyone who has offered some kind words. I haven't always gotten a lot of kind words from some some Penn State fans, Jared, but uh, this has been pretty nice. No, and, and I'm happy to have Corey on board. As, as most of you already know, I'm transitioning to a bunch of different roles with the website, so obviously Corey helps me with Penn State stuff now, but also at any time that you can get an award-winning writer as we're standing here in his dining room surrounded by Corey Geiger's writing memorabilia and writing awards um, and Slippery Rock's own Matt Adams. Um, <laughs> it, it's really good to, to add a guy of his caliber. And, and not only just that, but we're excited for the coverage that we're going to be able to bring, not only for Penn State, but for the future as well, because Corey and I work really, really well together. We're good friends. And literally, we only live a couple blocks away, so if anybody ever needs anything, we can get together pretty quickly. All right. I appreciate it, Jared. This was good. Uh, Ball State next week. I, I guess we got to kind of have to give a prediction here. I think Penn State wins and wins pretty comfortable. I think so, too. Um, but there's always that fear of that trap game, and I think Penn State's got to worry about that. So I wouldn't be surprised if they started out sluggish, turned it around mid-first quarter, but the offense has got to start clicking earlier in the game. But... Next week, we'll be live from the stadium, yep. and I can't wait to be back in the Beaver Stadium press box. Absolutely. Looking forward to it, man. Thank you, as always, for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week from Beaver Stadium. This has been the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. For Corey Geiger, this is Jared Prugar. Thank you, and have a great and safe week.